My dear brothers and sisters and friends viewing this conference session and listening to the proceedings, I bid you welcome this beautiful Sabbath morning. In the very first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord said, Hearken, O ye people of my Church, saith the voice of him who dwells on high, Hearken, ye people from afar. For the voice of the Lord is unto all men, and there is none to escape. For there is no eye that shall not see, neither ear that shall not hear, neither heart that shall not be penetrated. And the voice of warning is unto all people by the mouths of my disciples whom I have chosen in these last days. And they shall go forth, and none shall stay them, for I, the Lord, have commanded them. Just fifty years ago, the year 1939, the diplomats from the nations of Europe returned their position papers to leather briefcases, arose from their chairs at conference tables, and returned to their respective nations. Peace had perished. Soon mighty armies thrust across international borders. Warplanes droned overhead. Mighty tanks lumbered. World War II had begun. Hundreds of missionaries assigned in Europe were gathered to specific points and reassigned to labors in America. Void of the missionaries, the members in Europe carried on valiantly. And then carnage, suffering, and death enveloped all of Europe. After six long, painful, destructive years, the guns went silent. Soon, peace was established, and a gigantic building, rebuilding program was commenced. The missionaries went back to the nations of Europe. They taught the gospel. The Church grew and developed. But there were some nations following the war where new political boundaries had been established, where international borders bristled with armaments, and the missionaries were not welcome. In these nations, the members of our Church began a period of patient waiting, fervent praying, and righteous living. These were the thoughts that were on my mind last October as my plane droned toward Berlin. I thought of my long association with the people of these nations. My heart overflowed with gratitude for our Father's blessings to them. I realized that it had been twenty years that the German Democratic Republic had been part of my ministry. I focused my thoughts on the people who so unflinchingly had borne their burdens and suffered in silence. I thought of the long history of the Church in that land. You see, before World War II, the area we know as the German Democratic Republic erroneously referred to by some as East Germany, was the cradle of missionary work in all of Europe, the most productive area. In the city of Chemnitz, now known as Karl Marxstadt, six large, flourishing branches of the Church existed. 
In fact, it was the largest concentration of Latter-day Saints anywhere outside of North America. And then the terrible destruction of World War II took over. And after that long period, as I have indicated, the bombs ceased, the artillery went silent, and Europe lay devastated. Like moles from the earth came the people, bedraggled, hungry, frightened, lost. In memory, one could hear a little child calling out, Mutter, Mutter, where are you? Or Fater, Fater, where have you gone? They were greeted by nothing but a moonscape of shell holes, jagged buildings, gigantic craters, and literally mountains of rubble. Europe lay devastated and destroyed. It was at that time that the Prophet of the Lord selected a young member of the Council of the Twelve, even Ezra Taft Benson, to leave his precious wife, whom he loved with all of his heart, and his beautiful family, young in years, and undertake a special mission to the starving members in Europe. Brother Benson departed, and in Europe he found almost warlike conditions. But he traversed the land of German-speaking Europe from east to west. He fed the people. He clothed the people. He blessed the people. And he gave them peace and hope. He established the foundation for future growth. Another person who has been a wonderful benefactor to the people of those nations is Walter Stover, who has given unstintingly of his time, even his life, and generously of his means to bless those people. When I first made a visit to the German Democratic Republic, it was in 1968, and the governments of our country and that country were still not communicating effectively. It was a little difficult, but I crossed the border and went down to the little city of Gerlitz, way down near the Czech and Polish borders. As I met, met with the saints in Gerlitz, I noted they were in a very small and ancient building. But when they sang the songs of Zion, they literally filled the hall with their faith and their devotion. But my heart, my heart filled with sorrow. I looked about and saw that here were faithful people who had no patriarch to give them a patriarchal blessing. They had not received a visitor from headquarters in many years. They could not receive their temple blessings, their endowments, their ceilings. They, did have, they had no wards, no stakes, a few branches. Yet how magnificently they trusted in the Lord with all their heart. As I stood at the pulpit that evening, I testify to you, my brothers and sisters, that the Spirit of the Lord came over me, and I spoke words which came not from my lips. I said to the people that evening, I promise you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that if you are true and faithful, every blessing that any member of the Church enjoys in any other land will be yours. That evening I dropped to my knees by my bed and I pleaded with my Heavenly Father, 
Father, I am on thy errand. This is thy church and thy work. Thou didst inspire the words I offered this evening. Wilt thou bring to pass the promises given to this noble people? And thus concluded my first visit to the German Democratic Republic. And the prayer began to be answered. Percy K. Fetzer was ordained a patriarch and assigned to be a regional representative to that land. And then Walter Krause, a faithful member in that country, was ordained a patriarch. To date, he has given 992 patriarchal blessings to the people, and his dear wife has typed every one of them. I made many visits to that nation in the intervening years. I remember on one occasion going to a priesthood leadership session. So eager were the brethren to obtain a few printed materials on how to organize an elders' quorum, how a branch should function, that the brethren literally ran to the front of the hall that they might receive the little packet. On another occasion, I was visiting a conference in the city of Annaberg in that nation. An older sister came forward and said to me, Are you a member of the Council of the Twelve Apostles? I said, Yes, ma'am. And then she reached into her purse and brought forth a picture of the Quorum of the Twelve. And then, pointing to the brethren, she said to me, Which one of these apostles are you? I looked at the picture. The junior member in the picture was John A. Widsow. That dear sister had not seen an apostle in a very, very long time. Well, the work continued to flourish. A small mission, member mission organization was established, the first high priest ordained, district councils formulated. Eventually, a beautiful stake of Zion was brought into existence at Dresden and then again at Leipzig. All of the members of the Church in the German Democratic Republic live in a stake of Zion. As we created the Leipzig stake, I was interviewing one wonderful young man, a branch president. I noted that he had been a branch president 21 years. He was only 42. Half his life he had been a branch president. But he was willing to carry on. In fact, the brethren were eager to accept any assignment which may be given them by the brethren. Prior to these marvelous events, however, there occurred a special prayer. I was assigned to offer a prayer of dedication on that land and the people. On April 27, 1975, I took a small group of leaders with me and went to an outcropping of rock high above the Elbe River with Meissen on one side and, of course, Dresden on the other. In that prayer of dedication, I remember so clearly my words. I said, O Father, grant that this may be the dawning of a new day for this nation and for Thy Church in this country. And as I spoke those words, there pealed from a church bell in a steeple far below in the valley that beautiful ringing of chimes. We heard the unmistakable crow of a rooster heralding the dawning of a new day. 
As I stood there praying, I felt heat on my face and upon my hands. How could this be? An incessant rain had been falling all morning. But at the conclusion of the prayer, I looked heavenward and noted in the clouds that an opening had taken place and a ray of sunshine was streaming right to the area where we stood, enveloping all of us. From that moment on, I knew that the hand of the Lord was with this work. Now our great problem, our tremendous concern, was that our people could not go to the temple of God. We tried every strategy. We proposed that the membership of the Church, family by family, once in the lifetime of a person, come to the temple in Zollikofen, Switzerland, or to the temple in England, not approved by the government. We even thought of having mother and father coming to the temple and being sealed, with children being left behind. That didn't seem to square with what I regard as an eternal family unit. There commenced more patient waiting, more faith, more prayers, and then in a remarkable way in one of the negotiating sessions, one of the government members said to our group, Why have our people here go to Switzerland? Why have them go to England? Why don't you build a temple here in the German Democratic Republic? The offer was accepted. (laughs) A beautiful site was provided, and ground was broken for a holy temple of God. The day of dedication was a glorious day. President Gordon B. Hinckley offered a beautiful prayer. Heaven was very, very close. That particular temple in Freiburg is an interesting temple. It is small, but very busy. In fact, it's the only temple of which I'm aware where on certain days and evenings a patron must make a reservation in order to have a seat to participate in an endowment session. In fact, one stake president said to me, My home teaching is slipping a little bit. I said, Why? He said, all of my people are in the temple all of the time. I thought, not bad, not bad at all. That's the purpose of a temple. Well, the work continued to go forward. Beautiful buildings were erected in Dresden, in Zwickau, in Leipzig, in Freiburg, and a beautiful building is underway in the city of Plauen. I had a letter just this week from a wonderful man in Plauen. He said, Dear President Monson, we are overjoyed with the prospects of our new building. My father and his father before him were leaders in this area, and this will be the first time we have had a meeting house of our own. Now several miracles had taken place, but there was another miracle needed. How can you establish a member base? How can you compensate for a declining population or a population which is growing older unless you have missionary work. This was the thought which coursed through my mind and through my soul as my plane touched down that day in Berlin. I was met by my associates, Russell M. Nelson and Hans B. Rinker, from our leadership in that country, President Henry Burkhardt of the Temple and Presidents Frank Oppel and Manfred Schutze of our two stakes. We were hosted initially at a wonderful luncheon by Herr Kurt Leffler, 
who was in charge of religious affairs for the German democratic government. He was so cordial. He said, We have watched you for 20 years. We know your people are what you profess they are, honest men and women. How might we help you? The government officials journeyed with us to the city of Dresden, where the dedication of a stake center took place. They participated on the program. There in Dresden, when the saints sang, God be with you till we meet again, auf Wiedersehen, auf Wiedersehen, there was not a dry eye in the audience. I thought of the Prince of Peace who died on a cruel cross on Calvary. I thought of our Lord and Savior walking that path of pain, that trail of tears, that road of righteousness. I was comforted by his promise, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. With that beautiful promise ringing in my ears, it was off to Berlin for the crucial meetings pertaining to missionary work with the head of government, Herr Honecker. The day in Berlin dawned beautifully bright. It had been raining all evening, but now the sun was shining. We went into the corridors of the government buildings precisely on time, German time. Not a second earlier, not a second later. We presented to Eric Honecker the beautiful statuette entitled First Step, depicting a mother helping her child take its first step toward its father. He seemed pleased, and then he escorted us into his inner chambers. We were seated at a large table, and at the table was Herr Honecker and his cabinet. I knew this was a crucial meeting. We had prayed and fasted. We needed the door to open for missionary work in that country. Herr Honecker said to us, We know your people. They believe in the work ethic. We know you believe in strong families. We know you believe in being good citizens in the country where you live. President Monson, the floor is yours. Make your desires known. Initially, I thanked him and his associates for their help through this long period of 20 years. And then I said, Herr Honecker, you will recall that prior to the dedication of our temple in Freiburg, that 89,000 893 of your citizens stood in line, sometimes for four hours, occasionally in the rain, that they might see a house of God. In Leipzig, there were 12,000 who attended the open house. And again in Dresden, 29,000. In Zwickau, 5,300. And every week of the year, about 15 or 1,600 people come to the temple grounds, the temple grounds in that beautiful nation. I said they asked questions concerning the Church. But, Herr Honecker, we're unable to answer them. We wished we could tell every person who came to Freiburg and to these other locations that we believe in honoring and obeying and sustaining the law of the land, that we believe in strong families, abstinence from alcohol and abstinence from drugs and pornography. These are just some of the things we should like to tell your people. But in order to do so, 
We must have the opportunity of young men and young women coming here from other nations as missionary representatives. I can promise you that in the two years they are here, they will develop a love for your people and for your customs and for your language and be ambassadors for the rest of their lives. And then, Herr Honecker, I would suggest that you grant permission for young men and young women of your nation who are worthy members of our Church to receive a call to serve missions abroad. He then began a 30-minute discussion on the progress of the German Democratic Republic. I listened patiently, and then suddenly he turned to our group and looked at me and said, We know you. We trust you. We've had experience with you. Your missionary request is granted. My spirit literally soared out of that room. The meeting was concluded. As we departed, Brother Russell Nelson turned to me and said, Look at the sunshine streaming into this hall. It is though God in heaven is saying, I am pleased. The long darkness of night had concluded. The bright, beautiful rays of day had dawned. The future lay before us in that nation. I remembered the word of the Lord. For in nothing doth man offend God, and toward none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things. I confess the hand of the Lord in these remarkable events. I thank our presidents of stakes, our general authorities, our regional representatives, mission presidents who have helped through the years to bring these miracles to fruition. My dear brothers and sisters, the first ten young men and young women in that nation have been called as missionaries and assigned their fields of labor. They may be coming to your stake in England or your stake in the United States or your stakes in South America. And three days ago, Thursday morning, the first contingent of missionaries from this and other nations crossed the border into the German Democratic Republic, the first missionaries to do so in 50 years. They were met by their mission president, President Paul. They were greeted by government authorities. In one ward, 180 members of the ward turned out to welcome the missionaries. Oh, the future is bright. And from the depths of my heart and my soul, I declare the words, Thanks be to God. There seems to come from heaven that beautiful promise, Hear, O ye heavens, and rejoice, O earth, and rejoice, ye inhabitants thereof. For the Lord is God, and beside Him there is no Savior. His purposes fail not, neither are there any who can stay his hand. For thus saith the Lord, I, the Lord, am merciful and gracious unto those who fear me and delight to honor those who serve me in righteousness and in truth unto the end. Great shall be their reward, and eternal shall be their glory. May this be the universal blessing of all mankind. 
I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.